I have absolutely no doubt that AI and robots will be a major influence in our children's uh, lives and our and their and their education. We acknowledge and respect AI and the trans transformation it's going to have, but we want to really make sure we first got a hold on the human factor. We really want to know the secret sauce. It's nothing to do with buying and selling businesses. It's everything that happens before my day really starts. So we've got Adrian Knight in the house today. We're talking about his company, Spectacular Group, which provides an integrated learning experience for children, parents, and schools, currently educating over 10,000 kids under five, multi-million dollar business, disrupting the education industry, which I think we can agree needs some disruption. Adrian Knight, what's up? Hello, Mark. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, glad to have you here. I've got a four-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter, and you know I care very deeply about my kids' education, and it strikes me that the education industry is dramatically changing. We've got iPads, we've got AI teachers, we've got games. Uh, the, we had Zoom calls for almost two <laughs> years. You had six-year-olds on Zoom calls? Holy crap, let's not even get into COVID just yet. And I also <laughs> noted here that 25% of American children grow up without being literate. They're illiterate. 25% of American children are illiterate. Adrian, what the hell's going on? How does Spectacular Group help us solve this problem? It, it, it is absolutely shocking, some of these stats out here. And I too have a four-year-old as well, Mark. And uh, my daughter, Evie, was very much the, um, without knowing it, uh, the catalyst to all of this. And um, just prior to, to, uh, to Evie turning one, I discovered through a series of synchronistic events that it's those early years in the child's life, those uh, sort of first sort of from newborn to five years old, they are the years that are so formative to how the rest of their life will pan out. Um, not entirely, of course, but those skills that they learn in those first few years are just critical skills that will um, that will do them well in their life. And so with that in mind, when I was attending classes with Evie and being part of her life and I was looking around me, I was just gobsmacked by the quality of uh, activities and education that was being delivered to under five-year-olds. It was so shocking to me that this part of their life had the most impact on how their lives would pan out. And yet it felt like the most underserved part of it to the point that I just felt I need to do something here. I need to play a role here. And that started what is now Spectacular Group. It's sick. And, you know, at that age, you know, it's kind of hard for adults to contextualize this. But I was talking to the pastor of my church the other day, and he said, listen, a, a young child, their brain is not a filter. It is a sponge. Mm. It is a sponge. And if you're giving your kid access to a tablet or a phone or you're just popping on Netflix, they're not getting potentially the stuff that you want them to get. Yeah. They're just not getting it. So tell me a little bit more about the spectacular group and the structure, because you've got over 10,000 kids enrolled under five. That's spectacular. So <laughs> how did you get it from zero to hero? Yeah. So my skill set is buying and selling companies. That's my background. That's what um, I do. And uh, I had no intentions of going into the children's education space. I had zero experience, zero backstory. Uh, I'd never had any uh, role or interest in, a, in an education's company. Um, 
but it was my experience as a dad and being there with my one-year-old daughter that made me realize that something needed to change here. And so I started looking around for potential acquisitions and I started to understand more about children's businesses and how they worked and how they operated. And I was surprised, but not surprised to learn that a large majority of these businesses were very small. They tend to be uh, owner run and they weren't really run as a business. They were run more as a, um, you know, a passion project or uh, something that the person running that wanted to do. But I felt that there were some basic business principles missing here and that there could be some value in bringing a collection of these companies or businesses together that had services that fit in like next to each other, but didn't necessarily compete next to each other because ultimately the end customer was the same. Like the end customer was me and Evie and my wife, Vicky, like we were the same end customer, but we, like we was attending one class because we wanted to develop Evie's sort of speech and language communication, but then another completely different class because we wanted to develop her social skills and confidence. And it just felt that there was something drastically missing here that certainly with a skill set and background from where I come from, that we could start to build and assemble almost like like a like like bricks building bricks like lego uh almost so yeah it's gone great guns i didn't expect it to get to the to the size that we have got certainly in the speed that we've got here as well um we're currently uh, a multi-million revenue group um we've got we've got around 70 locations across the uk and each of those locate locations will deliver hundreds of classes like between them per week and uh yeah we 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 just feel like we've, we've barely got started so are you how are you using technology in your courses like because i feel like technology is really important i was reading the article the other day that the future teachers are all going to be ai robots yeah. you know because they're going to know exactly the way you think they're going to understand your problems they're going to be able to deliver questions and learnings based on every single individual kid my wife's a teacher by the way she teaches mm. kindergarten so same kind of age group that is a really hard job. Every kid is different. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, how do you scale this up? What role do you think AI and robots have in education? AI and robots is it's a very interesting topic in the terms of education. We've taken a slightly different stance to this. I, I have absolutely no doubt that AI and robots will be a major influence in our children's uh, lives and, our, and, their, and their education. What we focus on is actually the human element and the human touch. And this insight came from COVID and the two years of COVID where there was, you know, it's certainly in the UK, multiple lockdowns. Um, what we have seen out of that is that children who would normally have been attending classes have significantly underdeveloped skills. So, for example, their social and communication skills are not where they normally are at this point in their growth. So we've sort of taken that and been like, we've kind of taken a stance of AI is not going anywhere, but let's focus on the human aspects and bring that in to our children and, and just, yeah, give that to them before we lose too much touch, you know, too much touch from it. So. And, and listen, I really appreciate that because I think the go-to for a lot of parents is here, kid, you're bothering me play on this tablet for a minute, which I, I, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I'm a dad. I get it. Sometimes we, sometimes we need <laughs> yeah. that 30 minute need break. Uh, but if you're just relying on that, you can, it's easy to over rely on that. And I, I just got to touch on this for a minute because uh, during the COVID-19 lockdowns, when they said, Hey, no more school, no more school. What the hell did you think was going to happen? People? I, you know, I was working in the insurance industry at the time. And one of the girls in my office had an eight-year-old boy. He's an eight-year-old boy. And what was the solution? Can't go to school. It's too dangerous. It's too unsafe to take eight-year-olds to school. She had to bring her eight-year-old to the office with her, sat him on a laptop for nine hours to do Zoom teaching. Do you think that that works? (laughs) You're going to sit an eight-year-old boy down for nine hours looking at a Zoom screen, (laughs) which, by the way, the teachers have no idea how to teach on Zoom. It's a different experience. Yeah. It, what, it, I mean, what do you think the long-term ramifications are of that? I, I think the long-term ramifications are significant and far more than we realize at, at the moment. And because of the platform we now have, we are uh, like getting feedback from across the country, like literally across the country, saying how children are, um, they are more needy when they're being dropped off. They, they're clinging on to their parents more. They're not so like the social aspects. They're not connecting and communicating as much with other children. And, you know, some people hear that and say, but it wasn't in the grand scheme of things that long. But then you have to think about the child. Like if they're four years old and they've spent two years in this COVID like period, that's half of their lives. And this is the part of their lives where like they are learning the key skills that will set them up for life. So I think the long-term ramifications are going to be significant. And I don't, I feel as though we don't quite fully understand or appreciate just how significant they're going to be because you can't teach a kid on an iPad through Zoom. Like it doesn't, it, you, know, you can't, they, they, they don't learn that way. They learn through play and they learn through interaction, which is exactly why going back to the AI, AI question, like we acknowledge and respect AI and for the trans, transformation it's going to have, but we want to really make sure we first got a hold on the human factor, like the kids that they're connecting in the right way. hundred percent. I, Jeez, it, it really bothers me when I'm at the playground with my with my kids and I look around and every single dad, dad, you got to step it up, man. Y'all freaking got to step it up because when every yeah. single dad is just staring at their phone, it's it's a big problem. You know, and you know, the other thing that like to your point, we don't even know the long term ramifications. If 25 percent of kids can't read now, what do you think it's going to be in 10 years mm-hmm. when they they because because this is what happens. This is the exact problem that happens in school and y'all can send me all your hate mail. I don't really care. This is what happens in school. Kid does bad, teacher is, doesn't want to deal with it, pushes him ahead to the next grade. Kid is already starting out the next grade behind, which, which leads to acting out, which leads to problems with the, the teacher. With The teacher's like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to push the kid ahead again. And all of a sudden, you're just delaying that problem. It's a, it's a, it's a ticking time bomb because that kid's going to grow up without the skills that he, he or she needs to actually be successful in the real world. It's unbelievable. Not to mention, by the way, you're putting... You're putting these masks, these dirty, stinking, gross, <laughs> disgusting masks on a four-year-old, which A, you know, my four-year-old is touching the mask, taking the mask off. There's boogers in the mask. You know, I, I don't know what y'all think was going to happen. And, you know, again, not a professional educator, but kids, you, know, you learn to speak by watching lips and tongue movement, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. if the teacher has a mask on, the kid's not even going to learn how to speak the damn language. Yep. 
What the hell's it's, going on? It, it's so true. In in our speech and uh, communication business, like it's shocking the like the the queues of the waiting lists of parents who are who have signed up because their kids, their speech and language communication has fallen so far behind. And I completely agree. Like the very fact that we were wearing masks, like how like you, you couldn't see anyone talk. So how is this young child who quite often we just, you know, they're, they're, they're there. We don't think through the implications of what we're doing. Something as simple as putting on a mask is having a, a direct and significant effect on their ability to learn from you. And as parents, you know, they're, they're the kids, we're the role models who they learn from the most. From, you know, in, from a monetary perspective, right? Because listen, this show is about making, making some damn money. Why is this not as much of, of a priority? Why is this not as much of a priority? Because as a parent, the most important thing to us mm. is our kids. We want our kids to be good. We want our kids to grow up happy, healthy, educated, positive impact on society. But, you know, as you mentioned, you kind of got into this and you're like, the, you know, this, you know, from a business perspective, the business people aren't getting into it. Why is that? Why is, is it because there's just a, a glass ceiling that's hard to break through? Like, why are we not seeing more millionaires, billionaires, business people getting into the business of education? Yeah, it's a brilliant question. There, there, there's two factors to it, I believe. The first one is that um, when people first look at this sector, they naturally assume, oh, there's no money in it. And I was that person for years. It was only when I started looking at the financials of different like companies in this in like in this space when I realized, well, individually by themselves, yeah, not setting the world alight. But if you put four, five, six of them together and you start to consolidate certain back office functions, this all of a sudden becomes a very more interested and attractive business. Certainly, one that can uh, that can grow in scale. The second one as well is that the certainly in the UK, the education industry is full of people who come in and then go quite quickly. They come in with the intent to make change, um, but then they realize how hard it actually is. And this is largely coming from government and um, a lot of the more longer term institutions that are a bit more set in their ways so that can get tiring i've certainly come up against that already and i'm so early into my journey but it's a case of certainly myself reminding myself why i'm doing this because it is about the kids and i feel like if we keep the focus on that then the commercial aspects will take care of themselves after and that's proven to be the case so far i can appreciate that mission i think mission-based businesses are important i just wish more mm -hmm. Gosh, I just wish there was more emphasis on this, on this product. Cause like, I, like, I, like I said, and you can, you can tell that I'm pretty passionate about this. <laughs> I'm pretty freaking passionate about this. Cause again, um, you know, if your kid does bad on a test and you're not on it, your te the teacher's already overworked. They've got 25 kids in a classroom. It's a really hard job. It's really stressful. They don't get paid nearly enough, by the way. Um, yeah, I don't know. It kind of, it kind of pisses me off a little bit, you know, because there's, yeah. there are so many kids that are being left behind. I'll give you a quick example of this. Um, I was talking to a dad the other day. I was on this, this Indian princess, um, event with a bunch of dads and daughters. And I was talking to this dad. He said that there was a local school. His daughter was in this school. And for the first month of PE at PE every day, 20 classes, the PE teacher didn't teach anything they didn't 
The teacher didn't even have the kids running laps. The teacher, because she was quote unquote training the next teacher, said, hey kids, just play on your phones. For four weeks, 20 classes, the PE teacher had the kids on their phones. What, what the hell? It, oh, it gets better, it gets better. The, this dad found out about it, message or sent an email to the administration. The administration asked the teacher about it. You know what the teacher did? The teacher taught, called out the kid and said, little Jane's parents called in and said, you can't play on your phones anymore, so go run laps. You know what I say? It is a business person, you fired, you fired. Not to quote Donald Trump, but you fired. Yeah. <laughs> Unacceptable. This is it. See, I have this inverse relationship with technology from an educational perspective because I understand and fully appreciate and respect the power that something like AI can bring to this sector. But I also feel that it's the it's all it's almost the greatest enemy because as parents or teachers or whatever, you know, that person overlooking that child or children, it's so easy now for us to simply hand them an iPad or hand them a an iPhone or hand them something that essentially releases an element of responsibility from us in that they can go and occupy themselves. You know, go back 20 years, it wasn't the case. You had to sit down and play with your child or you had to do something that was um, a bit more consuming as a parent or, you know, an adult, but it had a bit a bigger and better impact on that child's well-being and their overall uh, direction in life. And so I just feel like we don't really know right now what the true implications of COVID, of technology is going to have on our kids. But my gut feeling is that right now, I feel like the cons are far outweigh, outweighing the pros. And it's down to us and it's down to educators to acknowledge that and to start um, using technology in a bit more of a responsible manner. Yeah, I mean, don't even, I'm not even going to go the route of deep fake porn and the impact that's going to have on <laughs> on kids. I'm not even going to go into AI influencers and algorithms and smartphones, but all this stuff is relevant. I will say though that um despite all the cons that AI and technology present, it's a it's it is a reality of the world that they're mm. going to be living in. And we as parents could say, "Well, back in my day, I I drank out of the hose and all that." Great. That's fantastic. That's not the world these kids are growing up in. So I actually encourage my daughter, she's seven, to use ChatGPT if, if she's like, hey, I'm going to work on this project. I'm like, cool, let's bust out ChatGPT. You can type in your question. I want her to kind of learn and grow in this technology because that'll give her a, uh, a leg up. It's going to help her to be better suited and more ready. You know, I think that's an important consideration. I love that because it's the intent of how that's being used. It's not like, oh, I can't be bothered to go and check chat GPT. It's an understanding of this is going to be a part of your future. So it's almost integrating that tool as part of her education to help facilitate what she wants. I absolutely love that example. I think it's a, I think that's technology used in the right way. I think so. I think so. I do, you know, I want to talk about how you're using technology both personally and professionally, Adrian. You've grown this spectacular group to a multi-million dollar business. And you were kind of talking a little bit beforehand. I said, well, you know, like what kind of habits are you putting into place? I've, I've read uh, James Clear's Atomic Habits, mm. killer book. Anyone, if you haven't read Atomic Habits, must read, really good. Um, and, you know, I've just started to be very thoughtful about my time, about my habits. And you had mentioned that you're working on this project that, you know, I love how you do it, Adrian. You solve problems for yourself and then you say, okay, let's scale this out. 
talk to me a little bit about how you're using your your new software platform to improve your own personal habits and and grow and, and achieve these benchmarks like you have with Spectacular Group. Absolutely. So I have a lot of people um, approach me saying, how have you done this with Spectacular Group and how are you doing this? They've seen like my life certainly uh, elevate quite significantly in a relatively short period of time. And they, they want to know how to buy and sell businesses and everything that comes with that. But I, I, I sort of say to them, look, if you really want to know the secret source, it's nothing to do with buying and selling businesses. It's everything that happens before my day really starts. So I get up at 4 a.m. I and I spend the first three hours of my day, that's like seven days a week, like 52 weeks, like every day, I spend the first three hours of my day focused purely on developing and growing myself. So I exercise, um, I meditate, I visualize, I read, like a number of high leverage habits that I've integrated. And what that does and what it's certainly done for me is that when I then start my day, when I then come back from the gym and go into dad mode or go into work mode, I'm not operating at like a, a level two or level three version of myself because I've spent time in like investing on myself. I'm operating at, at like a level seven, level eight. So I'm going in with far much more clarity and confidence. And that has been the real trick to everything, spectacular group and the like the full piece. And this has been so transformational for me that I was getting fed up of tracking, you know, this on that app on and this on that app. It was just really bugging me. So I spent the the earlier part of this year basically putting together my own app, which is called Elevate Your Life. And this is where I track that whole that whole piece. So the exercise, nutrition, the habits, everything. And I've geared it up in such a way so that um, it's really easy to um to manage like it's almost like your daily plan like, this is what you have to do and it's and it's com continued to compound results for me but with people coming and asking me saying how are you doing this like, i've got this app and i'm like well why don't you jump on the app and i'll set up a program for you and then see how you get on and it's it's just been amazing watching how their lives have transformed in such a relatively short period once they started to get rid of the stuff that was holding them back and to spend their time focused on doing things that were moving them towards where they want to go and so it's still very early days into this but the results i've personally seen and, and that i'm now seeing in, in other people has been and i don't say this lightly but it really has been you know it's transformational it's uh yeah it's been really powerful i can't quite believe it to be honest. <laughs> it's funny when I first started, I, and I think this is a pretty common vision is you start your business so you can leave your day job and you can sit margaritas on the beach and everything's going to be wonderful. But, but what actually I found happens is that at least for me, you fall in love with the process of building. You fall in love with those, those habits. You kill the bad habits, like sitting around and drinking on the beach. You kill the bad <laughs> habits and you institute the good ones. Like waking up at a good hour, exercising, drinking water, you know, and you know, getting on phone calls, just spending your time more wisely. But I will say it's not easy. It's not easy. Like, you know, what, what I have a question for, cause I haven't used the app personally. Yeah. What happens if you don't do what you say you're going to do? Like, for example, if I say I'm going to commit to waking up at six o'clock, but I don't, I wake up at eight o'clock. Does it like tase me or something? How does it, how does it keep me accountable? Well, yeah, it's a great question. So basically, on you like when you log on to it, you have like your schedule for the day and these are the activities and it's almost like a tick. So when you've done the activity, tick it off. And there's some psychological 
like benefit and motivation that comes from, oh, I've ticked off another task and I've, now I've done another task and now I've done another mm -hmm. task. Mm -hmm. But if you get to the end of the day and you're seeing all of these blank, unticked tasks, it's, it works on you. Like it, it starts to, like it plays on your mind and you can bring up a, um, you can bring up like your schedule over the last month or the previous months and see, well, on, you know, in the last month, I've only hit this task seven out of 10 times what's going on there. And so it causes you to go back. So there's no like, um, it doesn't taser you, it doesn't shock you or anything <laughs> like that. But it's, it's the psychological motivation, because then you start asking yourself, well, why am I not doing this? Like this task in the grand scheme of things is quite simple. And I know it's going to have an impact, yet I can't seem to consistently do it. What's and so you get deeper, and then then, then the whole thing starts to like starts to compound. I dig that. And I, I would, you know, I will say that sometimes the um, knowing yourself, your own body clock's important. I tried like waking up at like 5 30 every morning to go running, yeah. and what and I'm like, like this doesn't doesn't feel right for me. So I'm typically uh, in in bed by 10 to 11, and I'm up around seven to eight, you know, is kind of my but you know. I don't think there's one, one size fits all, but again, I set a goal. I set these different standards and I try to find what, what works for me personally. Yeah. And I'm glad that it doesn't tase you, although I'm kind of, I'm, I kind of respond to, to pain or if it could like have my wife yell at me for, you know, if I, <laughs> you know, it could be my, my simulated AI trainer, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think it's really cool. I'm glad you shared with us, it with us. I'll put a link below y'all so you can try out elevate your life. And uh, Adrian, I just appreciate all that you're doing for children, for kids, for families. Finding out ways to monetize that and make it attractive, I think is very important. It bodes well for our future if that happens. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's been a real pleasure to be on here and I completely agree. And I love the fact that, you know, you're as passionate about children's education as I am. And it comes ultimately from being a dad and from having you know, children I just, yourself. Before, before we go here, I, I will say, uh, just another thing, I was watching Ray Dalio, and Ray Dalio had done a huge study on the rise and fall of empires. Every single empire that falls, do you know what the first the first thing that that falls is? You know what the like the first domino is? It's education. <sighs> when education starts to fail, it's it's it is a perfect correlation with when the empire or the civilization is about to fail. It always starts with education. Wow. It's, it's so shocking yet so believable as well in the same in the same sense you stop investing in the growth and development of your people and oh the empire falls what a surprise yeah i mean i love the tiktok dances kids but <laughs> is it worth the civilization i don't know uh, adrian where's the best place for us to find you Yep. So uh, I'm very active on Instagram. My handle is Adrian J Knight. Uh, it's the same handle for other social media profiles as well. And uh, I'm just in the process of getting my website, which is adrianknight.co.uk. And um, I'm from Britain, just in case uh, you haven't figured it out by now. So. Good deal. Adrian, thanks for joining After Hours Entrepreneur, brother. Thank you so much, Mark.